Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com apply. That's Amazon.com apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. The segment you're going to be listening to shortly is part of a show from our Blue Room Extra service. If you weren't already aware, over on Patreon we're producing even more content. That includes a show exclusively for subscribers, a preview show when we speak to fans and journalists to get the insights on Everton's upcoming opponents, and a mailbag show where we answer your questions as well. If you'd like to get involved, you can sign up on Patreon at patreon.com slash Extra. We hope you do enjoy this clip from one of our subscriber-exclusive shows. As a reminder, if you'd like to hear more from us, you can do on TBR Extra at patreon.com slash Extra. It is The Blue Room on Radio City Talk. We are here to reflect on Everton making progress in the last 16, into the last 16 of the League Cup, rather, uh, beating Sheffield Wednesday 2-0 on Tuesday night. Uh, with that in mind, everything's positive again, isn't it, Dave? Well, it's, I wouldn't go that far. I think that the positivity, you need to separate the context from this, Matt. The positivity comes from us being in the last 16 of a cup competition, which has been a very long time coming, yeah. uh, and a welcome distraction from our woes in the Premier League. That Now attention turns back to that with Manchester City coming to town. And then we have Burnley the week after, which probably should be our primary focus. Although I, I have been a little bit uncomfortable with how keen some people seem to be to write this game off on on Saturday against Man City with the obvious caveats we know how good they are there's, there's no issues with um, what, Manchester, what Manchester City are going to turn up and do it's not like we're playing anyone outside of the top two in the league who are considered turning up to most games in the league and being favourites well they would for all the games yeah. apart from against each other they'd be favourites um, and, and that will remain the case. And they just put eight past Wofford. <laughs> they put three past Preston in the in the Carabao Cup. Um, and apparently there's a crisis going on over there because they lost 3-2 away at Norwich. Yeah. But it's a chance, a little bit of a free hit, I think, for Marco Silva to approach this game with a similar attitude to the positive one he showed by picking the team he did against Sheffield Wednesday. Mm. Now, I, I tweeted that last night when I found out what the lineup was and I got countless replies from... From Blue saying, well, it won't matter because he's putting, he'll put Schneiderlin back in midfield at the weekend. He'll put Sigurdsson back in, and it'll revert to type what we've seen so far this season. That may be, but he's shown that he can at least adapt to what the situation calls for. Yeah. And against Manchester City, I think there's another opportunity to do this. If he reverts back to it, then fine. I think I'll openly criticise him, as I have done so far this season, for not adapting to situations and making any wholesale changes which have been desperately needed. I think anybody could see that we've needed mm. to change what we've been doing. He did that against Chef Wed. I'm willing to see what he offers up against Manchester City. And like I say, I think, as the narrative goes, this feels like a free hit. It should never be considered one. Because sure. what are we as a football club if we're just writing off games like that? But... There's a chance, there's an opportunity for Everton to ruffle the, fre- the feathers here and really get back on track. Let's hope they take it with at least a positive performance. Might not win the game, might not even draw the game, but a positive performance 
with with some efforts on goal and plenty of the sort of guts that we showed towards the back end of last season. That needs to be what we take away from this, if not the result. Yeah, we'll be talking about that game a little bit more in yeah. part two. Uh, we've had some questions in from you guys as well. Some interesting ones, actually, so we'll, we'll get stuck into them. Uh, Carl Roper joins us in the studio as well. Carl, thanks very much for coming on. How, how are you feeling after last night's uh, winning the, in the Carabao Cup? Happy you were in the, the last 16, but not really papered over the cracks. I mean, where, well, where'd you stand on it? Well, I think in the season of the bellwether results aren't there and mm. last Saturday was one and last night wasn't one uh, Everton should go away and beat Sheffield Wednesday any any time of the year mm. in any season uh, when Sheffield Wednesday are a club who can't, seems to have involved in Dora managers you know um, they're not having a any worse season in the championship than we are but they're not having a, they're not having a great season and to me that was what we would expect from an Everton team to go away and win comfortably uh, at Sheffield Wednesday. That's not to take anything away from the team and the players because we've all seen us go to teams like this before and lose. But that to me is, you know, you know, core work for the team to get drawn away to a championship team and go and beat them. Mm-hmm. So well done, great. I said on this show, um, one of the main things for this season is that Everton need not just a cup run, but a run round Wembley with a cup. And, you know, we're on progress mm-hmm. towards that. The worry, though, is is that we've got through by beating Lincoln and Sheffield Wednesday, and this is where you refer to the league form. There is nothing in the league form to suggest that if we get to run against Liverpool or Manchester United mm-hmm. or Arsenal or Chelsea or Leicester or any of the other teams above us in the league away or even at home, that we're going to go and beat them in this cup competition yeah. unless they put out a significantly yeah. weaker side. Now, I'm sorry to be on a downer, but we don't just want to get to the next round of this cup. We want to get to the next round mm-hmm. and we're going to start to bump into some of the bigger teams. And this is where we refer to the league form because we have had an atrocious start to the yeah, season. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, you know, we, we did the instant match reaction, Dave, last night and we spoke about some individuals on the pitch who played particularly well. Most of it to be Dominic Carvalho, and um, we'll have a little ch- chat about him I- in a bit. But I think the most important person the, for the results, obviously, is Marco Silva, isn't it? Because I think, you know, after the game on uh, Saturday against Sheffield United, the Nairs were obviously out for him. He cut a very frustrated figure in his press conference. And you almost sort of expected to, there to be a few stories in the national papers about players being unhappy, about the, the, you know, the methods, about the way in which we're going about things. And unsurprisingly, they emerged from a journalist who's not got great connections with the football club, but a, a national one nonetheless. Mm. And I think just getting this result under the belt and looking ahead to Saturday is so important for him because if Everton draw that game and scrape through on penalties or, or even go out, all of a sudden those sorts of reports get a bit more credence, get a bit more momentum behind them. Whereas now they can sort of be put on the on the, you know put, put on ice for a little bit, at least until Saturday in the game against Burnley. Well, we, we can't see uh, any, any rhyme or reason behind comments like this other than the fact quite clearly um, and the piece you referred to is by Matt Law, yeah. is it? Who, who has quite clearly spoken to somebody at Goodison, whether that's a player or an inside source, whatever that is. Although it, it might be more stressing, he's been extremely hit and miss with Everton. Yeah, absolutely, year. but I, I don't, I don't see any necessity in writing it for the national paper when we don't really have any relevance on a national basis anymore. So I, I, I do believe that there'll be credence to it. Um, it. It's by the by, to be honest with you, because all we can comment on is what we see as the end product, what goes on behind the scenes and how it comes about and how it materialises, we don't know. Um, but we only see what the manager puts out and what the players do on a match day. If you were to say to me right now, do I believe that, based on what Everton have done so far this season, I'd say there might be well might well be some truth to some of the comments that are in that piece. Um, because it's looked to me, and I said this at the time, uh, it felt like Ronald Koeman against Burnley, part two. Quite clearly, we know how quickly that ended for him after that. It was around about this year, wasn't it? Two years ago, mm. um, when, when Ronald Koeman was was ultimately sacked. It felt like that against Sheffield United. Uh, it felt like players weren't doing things that the manager had instructed them to do. He's come out and said himself, I think Marco Silva, the, some of the players aren't listening, which I, I think is a really... The term he used was hiding, wasn't it? Hiding. I think that's a really bold move. Uh, and, and an interesting one, uh, given the, the current climate the footballers operate in, and that is generally total ignorance for everything around them. Yeah. Um, so, w- with with him saying that, I think he's laid down the gauntlet. But I th- also think if you 
delve a little bit deeper into that. I think it shows some trust amongst him and his players that he feels he's comfortable enough to come out and say something like that. And it might well get a response. It certainly did against Sheffield Wednesday in the early going. And I know many fans will, will, will have a moan and a shout about how the second half played out and how we didn't go on and score five or six. It's a cup competition. You need to get in the second round, the next round, and that's it. I don't care how we play. If we scrape it 1-0 and have 15% possession in a match, that's what needs to happen. Go through. It is all about the results. Um, how this relationship between him and the players comes to to be harmonious, shall we say, as it was towards the end of last season. It, it seems to me that players haven't been fully cohesive in everything that we've done. If you look at how we play, uh, the system and the shape looks very tired and tedious. There's players there I look at individually. I'm thinking he can't possibly be happy with that role in the side. I wouldn't say there's been a lack of effort, though. Or no, no, no. And, one, yeah. and that's, that's where I would say the... Look, I don't think there's wrong with people having disagreed. Me and you have disagreements all the time, Matt, yeah. on our shows and in, in our personal <laughs> lives. We, we have disagreements all the time, but it ultimately doesn't stop us being friends yeah. and producing the content that we do on this show. Um, and, and I'd like to think that that's the same. There's, there's acting professional, isn't there, when you get behind those doors. And quite clearly, you're not going to please, what, 20-odd lads in the changing room um, by the tactics you deploy and, and the, the, the sort of team talks that you're giving out. There'll be a few raising their eyebrows, I'm sure, when he had his back turned and a few sort of, you know, wry smiles and things like that. That's normal in any workplace, I think, and I think that needs to be remembered yeah. when, when you're thinking about how footballers operate alongside managers. So, yeah, I do I do praise how, how bold he was coming out and saying that sort of thing. And, look, he got, he got a response against Sheffield Wednesday, so let's hope he puts that article to bed and, and the connotations that could possibly come from it. I, I think that we'll see another response on, on Saturday. And again, like I say, a bit of a free hit because it's not the result we're focusing on here in particular. It's the performance and, and what these players go on and do, having found some sort of uh, positivity against Sheffield Wednesday. The, the test of where we are mentally as a team and, and a kind of the, the, the faith is, is the level of resilience we've got a, a, as a group of players. And... and, and you know, there's that horrible statistic that's Horton Silver that we haven't come from behind in 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 21 games. You know, mm. we haven't recovered the match to a winning situation in tw- in 21 matches. You know, um, if we are to go behind on Saturday, right, that to me is where I'll start paying attention to where the where the the players' heads are. But will we will we will it be like kind of right? Come on, let's go. We're not going to get it. We're not going to get battered by these, and we're going to have a go. Or will the heads go down? Will you look at the shoulders? Will the floaty? You know, I I, I always think with Evan, it's it, it's not so much heads going down. It's it's that dreadful ball out to the wing and and floaty crosses. Yeah. You know where it's like, oh well, I've crossed. No the purpose ball, to but it. But I haven't re- things, But I haven't really things. crossed the ball, and that's where I'll see it. And if if we are to go, if we do go behind against Manchester City, that's to me. You know the test, but I don't really think the City game is going to be one of them bellwether mm. matches. As you, as Dave said, it's kind of a free hit. They are, you know, um, you know they're not the form team in the league at the moment because that's the other shower. But they are an exceptional side. Um, we've got there is nothing in form or really that where where we can where we should expect to go and beat them. Other than the fact we're playing at our own our own ground, you know, it's it's when you get into the you know it's those. It's the three games after Burnley away, West Ham at home, and Brighton away, and even Spurs and out of sorts, Spurs at home. That's going to be the, um, this is the testing ground because mm. cause after that, once we're into December, we've got, you know, Leicester, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United and Arsenal. I mean, you know, God, State Manchester United and heaven knows what, what they'll be like, mm. but um, it's away. Our record at Old Trafford is abysmal. Um you know, Leicester away and Liverpool away don't look too games I'm looking forward to with yeah. much relish. And this is the this is the thing about this is really the testing ground for Silver because it's really it begs the question: well, what what do we want this guy to be doing for us? You know, it was like last year. Well, you know, we we just come out of the Allardyce season. You know, every he gets a free hit in his first season. We finish eighth. We have a terrible middle of the season, a, a decent finish. What 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 do we want? In, What's our expectations of, of him this season? Mm. And I think there's a debate amongst the fans yeah. about that. And that was kind mm. of laid bare in the reaction um, to the Sheffield United result yeah. where some yeah. people's gut instinct is to blame the director of football. 
for the signings, which strikes me as particularly odd, and then you get another group of fans who blame the players, and then you get another group of fans, like myself, who laid the blame mainly at the door of the manager, mm-hmm. and it kind of exposes a bit of a, a, a debate yeah. and a division amongst the fan base, yes. which is not great, but it does it does shed light on where we are as a club. What What's this guy here for? What are we expecting from him? I think ultimately you just want to... I think you want to... You know, there's so much statistical and, and all this type of analysis now, but I think when we all go the match, you know, it, it's a phrase that Rob Rearer uses a lot on these shows about the eye test. You want to look at the team in front of you and feel as though they're going in the right direction mm-hmm. and making progress. Absolutely. And it felt as though... You know, whatever you, you you know, whatever you want in terms of you think we should be finishing top four, or you think we should be challenging for, you know, trophies, or we should be focusing on the cups, just top six, seven, four, whatever. Ultimately the baseline is you want to see this team getting better and and improving. Yeah. And I think that's why there's been such I think that's why there's such a a strong reaction to the Bournemouth loss because it was just the same. It was a continuation of what we saw at Villa and a continuation of what we saw away from home last season. It wasn't a team that looked like it was solving problems that it had in away matches already. It was a team that looked like they were creating more problems for themselves in away games. And obviously the Sheffield United match in terms of that was just a bit of a, a cherry on the cake. But um, just very quickly, um, you know, five minutes before we go go to a break, um, did say you want to speak about Dominic Carvalho and Carlo. I'll come to you first on this one. Um, felt like a big night for him, really. Um, obviously, going back to his his, his home city, yeah. uh, gets the nod over Moyes Keane, having not featured at all in the game against Sheffield United at the weekend. Um, and, you know, in fairness to the lad, he, he does the business. And I think... You know, watching the, the extended highlights of the, of the game again today on the, the club's official website, he could have had a hat trick. Um, should have probably scored, you know, a header in in, in the the, um, the first half to complete his hat trick. But the thing that I liked about his performance, and obviously this comes with a caveat to the opposition, but he looked like a, a forward who was hungry for goals. You know, he gets the first one straight away, and then he's back in perfect position to to, to tap home the other one. And that's maybe not something we've seen from from Don previously. No, I mean, and you know, the, 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 you know, this was another aspect of 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 kind of. Of the of the debate around the, the, the last few performances, mm-hmm. but I, it, it almost it crystallizes everything. I have got no personal gripe against Dominic Calvert Lewin any more than I've got one against Marco Silva. I judge the guy on his previous performances and the potential for him to go forward. I am made up that he scored two goals last night, but there are two big caveats. One, he, he clearly had like a personal interest yeah. in that game because it was five minutes from where he was brought up. And two, it was against the championship side. Mm-hmm. He scored the la- he scored two goals in his last three games in the uh, in the league cup, which I think have probably been two of them. Have well, been Lincoln and um, and uh, as, as an, I've read the I stats. Mean, going back to last season, yeah, going league, back to yeah, last yeah. season, yeah. Now the guy is going to be judged, as I've said to you before, on how many goals he scores in the Premier League. And at the moment, not entirely for reasons down to himself, he doesn't score enough goals, mm. and that. Is always going to be the the kind of monkey on his back mm. in that he does not score enough goals and 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 when he gets chances he doesn't take enough of them and that's the thing with Dominic Calvert Lewin and and the question is how long do you give him to 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 finesse those problems yeah. he's not playing in a he's not playing in a great confident side but he does get chances in games and he doesn't convert enough of them. And that's a problem for him. It was at least David on Tuesday, the support and cast around him a little bit more suited for a centre forward because on the first goal, Tom Davis makes a burst forward from midfield, takes a man away, and that's what creates the space for him ultimately to finish. Second goal is Alex Awobi making an actual drive and running to the box from the number 10 position, which is something that Sigurdsson simply doesn't do. And it's a nice bit of link-up play mm-hmm. between him and Bernard. And I think, you know, sort of semi-looking ahead to the game at the weekend, I think that area of the pitch, and I think who Silva picks in midfield and those attacking midfield positions, is going to be the most interesting for me. Because I think we saw small signs of, of Bernard and Awobi offering something different when they lined up in their respective positions and when they linked up together. Yeah, there were, there were some green shoots of recovery in that those attacking areas that we haven't seen so far this season. And, and that's what um, I think the, the main thing that I take from this game is how we were getting the ball in key areas where our attacking players could play to their strengths. And again, just referring back to what I was talking about before, I think that might be where a little bit of disparity might have seeped in between players and the manager because 
You've got an Alex Wobi who's desperate to get have the ball at his feet. He's desperate to find the attacking areas. You've got Richarlison who wants to do the same. Bernard, they love having touches of the ball. The way we were playing uh, and the way we have played so far in the Premier League this season hasn't really been mm. accustomed to the way they play. And against Sheffield Wednesday, obviously because we're going to have more possession than them, I got the impression that a few of them enjoyed it and, and looked like they were, they were happy to, to play in a system that meant that they were on the front foot a lot more and uh, our better players in attacking areas were having more touches of the ball in and around the, the, the opposition penalty area. Th- that needs to be a mainstay and it needs to be having spent the money we have on our attacking players. If it is a quartet of the, the three and the one in the four two three one, that needs to be a constant, is playing to these people's strengths. Not getting the ball out wide and looking for crosses into Moyes Keane who was playing against against Sheffield United big bruises of centre-halves yeah. so you want to get the ball into his feet you look at the, his movement you look at Calvert-Lewin when he's told to do that job I think looking at his record Matt uh, 100 games 20 goals uh, 56 of those have been starts um, I mean it doesn't add up to what you should be getting from even an average Premier League striker, I would suggest that's below average in terms of a goal return. Uh, again, there's caveats in all of those things because he hasn't often been play- played as a striker in all of those games uh, and he's been asked to do different roles other than putting the ball in the back of the net. I think the the real judgment needs to be made on Calvert-Lewin when he's, and this this sounds like I'm going back a couple of years now, but had an actual run being the focal point and goal scoring favourite in our team and I don't always think that's been the case even when he started up front as a lone striker I'm, I'd be I'd be pretty shocked if one of Marco Silva's uh, Ronald Koeman's or uh, Sam Allardyce's team talks even him have said to Dominic Calvert-Lewin hold the ball up and wait for other people to run off you I'd be astonished if each of them haven't said some sort of variation of those words to him. And that, for me, negates what a striker is in the team for. There's a job for it, but I think more so there's a job for it in a two. When you're playing two up front, that is when one player can do that. You think back to the old days, say old days, relatively new days for Carl, but you think, <laughs> you're thinking back to Heskey and Owen, for instance, that was always a, a go-to favourite. You know, Big and large, Kevin Phillips and Niall Quinn, all that sort of thing. If you're going to play with a striker like Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I think you have to have somebody next to him if you're going to get the most out of him and create chances for him and the player that's next to him. Yeah, uh, we'll chat a little bit more about this game uh, in part two of the show. We'll also look ahead to City, answer your questions as well. I'll be right back here on the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Back for part two of the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Dave and Carl in the studio still as well. I think I forgot to say at the start of the show, but we're also going to be speaking to Greg Neal uh, from the County Road Bobblers fan organisation. I'm sure, as you're all aware by now, there's going to be a banner against uh, discrimination and racism in football at the weekend at Goodison Park. It's going to be very much focused on Moyes Keane. It's absolutely fantastic, so we're going to have a little chat with Greg all about that later on. Uh, But very quickly, back to the Sheffield Wednesday game uh, before we get stuck in some of your questions. Uh, Dave, Jibra Sadibi, nice little assist for Dominic Carvert-Lewin's first goal. Um, Should have scored himself too. Yeah, he should have done, yeah. Um, Hit the target. (laughs) But um, I think the right-back position is one that's obviously been discussed a lot. Seamus Coleman has had a... A poor start to the season, I think, probably be fair to say. Um, is he someone you'd want to see given a chance on Saturday? Absolutely, he's won a World Cup. You don't you don't do that by accident. You don't uh, feature so heavily in in a terrific Monaco side that that won their league in, uh, a couple of years ago. I know he's been out in the wilderness a little bit in terms of form, but at the age he is as well, he's got a lot more in the tank than Seamus Coleman. I think we can all agree on that. Whatever your views on on Seamus. Mm. Uh, which are still, in my opinion, that he, he has um, a part to play at Everton, but certainly don't see any harm in changing it up and giving Sadibi a go. He's on loan. He's obviously keen to impress ahead of the next move in his career, the next big move in his career at the end of this season. I, I would absolutely put him in, and i put him in against Manchester City. I think he's a little bit more mobile than Colwyn, a little bit quicker. Keen to get forward, uh, as we've seen. can knock a pass in as well. That's a brilliant ball to Calvert-Lewin. Yeah. I think the intelligence of the pass is the range in which he hits Calvert-Lewin right onto his chest. It's one touch out of your feet type of, of ball. Um, he didn't risk it on the, along the floor where the defender could perhaps nip in and get the ball. It was a really intelligent pass and he was rampaging forward, had, a, had an effort on goal. 
Um, too many Blues who were at the game saying that he was a man of, man of the match contender as well. Mm. Wasn't wholly convinced against Lincoln, I have to say, the only other time we've seen him. Which you'd expect. Oh, game. of course. And, and, and at sort of a, a difficult one to go to in regards to a welcome to England banner um, type of, <laughs> type of uh, performance that you've been asked to play in. But yeah, it felt, it felt like he was um, a duck to water last night and, and, and I'd be really interested with him up against probably Raheem Sterling or potentially Bernardo Silva, whichever way City decide to go uh, against us. Well, Silva plays on the right, so he'll definitely be it, Sterling. Sterling, yeah. um, well, if he started, he didn't start in the 8 0, did he? <laughs> Which absolutely destroyed my fantasy team because I had him as captain. 8 0, clicked on the result. I was like, hang on, surely he's contributed a few assists here, if not scored a few goals. I thought that'd be top of the fantasy league. Sterling left on the bench all game, didn't come on. <laughs> Um, anyway, enough of those woes. But yeah, I feel as if Sadibi would, I may be a bit harsh here, but many might not agree. But I'm sure plenty will that Sadibi probably be somebody I fancy a lot more against Raheem Sterling than Seamus Coleman. I'd, I'd play him. Yeah. I mean, what? why would you keep Coleman in? He's been rubbish this season. Because we don't have a meritocracy, that's why, Carl. That's the problem here. No, well, I know that. I know the reason Seamus Coleman will, will, would more than likely play is because of Seamus Coleman's career. Rather than the fact that he, he offers the best option yeah. for Everton on on, um, on 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 Saturday, and you know to a degree, you know you can't just write off that. But you know why wouldn't you not? Why would you not play Sadibi? But it's as you said, it's a, it's this coming back to this free hit thing again, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's it's a game that we're not expected to win. Um, so why not give the guy give the guy a chance, see what he's like? But I'm I'm sick of us. I have to say, I am sick of us playing games in context. Do you not think every single time we take to the field, there's always a contextualization of what we are, who we are, and the players we select just because of that? It's like Sigurdsson has to play 45 million. Rooney, a couple of years ago, has to play. It's Wayne Rooney's come back to the club. Feels that way with Seamus a little bit to me. It feels the same as Mm. when we're putting two in the midfield all the time. Or why? Because it worked for a bit at some point, and it's just a game was great. You can't can't mention Everton's team. And the two playing midfield without there being a line about Adrissa Gay that comes in there. We haven't got him now. Why are we still fussing over this same shit? But I want to know. I want to know what Sadibe is like against Manchester City. True. I don't want to know what he's like against Sheffield Wednesday yeah. or, or Lincoln. I want to know what he's like about Manchester City because that's the bar, isn't it? Yeah. I want to know what he's like when Raheem Sterling's running towards him or whichever other, other mercurial genius has got the ball <laughs> at, at the time. You know, I, I want to know what he's like. So play the guy. Yeah. No one, no one, you know, let's be honest. We're all Evertonians, we all love the club, we all want them to win. But there's no serious Evertonian going in on Saturday expecting Everton to win. No. Expecting to win. And choose me words carefully. Hope for a draw, possible draw. There's no Evertonian there can go there in any seriousness. We've got a guy here who's got a decent CV. Two performances, particularly. He played on uh, last night and played really well. Decent passing, going forward with the ball. Give the guy, give the guy a chance. Let's see what these players are like against the the top mark mm. when 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 we're not necessarily expecting to win any and if he if he falls short, well you factored in then it was against Ma- it was against Manchester City. We might be alright against Burnley the week after or, or West Ham. Yeah. Do you know what gets me Matt so sorry to interrupt? Sorry. Um with Manchester City coming to Goodison, this should be a really difficult game for Manchester City. Because we're a team that have spent a lot of money on players who are trying to break into that top six bubble. Mm. This should be one of the grounds that they look at coming to. Thinking, Absolutely. Do you know what? I, we do well to win this game. Yeah. And the way things feel right now, particularly from our point of view, it feels like that. You know, as long as we don't get a hiding, it, it could be, it could be carnage. You know what I mean? You look what they've just done to Watford. The way we were playing wasn't much better than Watford was in the last couple of Premier League appearances. But this should be difficult for Manchester it's, City. And the fact that we're sitting here re- presuming the way things have gone and might well go that it's not going to be is a little bit of a signal for me. We, we should be well up for this game. Um, but I, I just feel like, in general, the feeling amongst us, feeling amongst the players will be anything but uh, being up for this. I think the feeling among the fans will change come... Saturday, when you're going out the house and you're going to the match, and it's half five, and everyone's, you know, had a, had a few hours on the ale. I think people then will be looking forward to it because, you know, when this game got changed to a half five kickoff a few weeks ago, and I think we took something like, I think we took four points from our first two games, I was sort of rubbing my hands together, going, oh, do you know what? 
can't wait for that one. The champions are a late kickoff Saturday night. It should be an absolutely fantastic atmosphere. We should give them a really good go, especially given the the, the home record we had at that point as well. And I, and I know what you mean. I think it, you know we are all a bit down in the dumps, and you know that is not without reason. But I, I imagine the the things will change when we're going up to the, to, up to the ground on on Saturday. And I suppose if we're looking for any sort of the positives, Carl, you know we all know how, how good they are going forward. It's got eight goals ridiculously against Watford last week uh, but we are talking about a team that, that crumbled a little bit at Norwich City um, just over a fortnight ago uh, in, in the Premier League as well and we're also talking about a team that's going to be coming to Goodison Park with one fit centre-back one fit recognised centre-back in, in Nicholas Ot- Otamendi so th- they're not you know there are chinks in their armour here aren't they they're not they don't feel as though and it's mad to say this they won 8-0 last week but it doesn't feel as though they're quite the juggernaut they have no, no, been. they're not unbeatable yeah, because they've been beaten. Yeah, recently. Yeah, so they're not unbeatable. They're not unbeatable, and Everton have got to go there. The, the manager gets paid, and the players get paid to walk out on that pitch, thinking we're we're going to have a go winning this team, beating this team, and winning this football match. That's that's fine. Our job as supporters is to get behind them in that in the moments of the night in the, in the moments of the ninety minutes, before and after and around all of that. There's a debate about why hasn't our expectation yeah. of beating Manchester City increased significantly since last season? Why, why or, or even mm. much yeah. since last season? That's the debate we can have in this space. But you're right, once you go out with your mates and you're in the pub and you're in the game and the players are on the pitch and in the dressing room, yeah, everything's got to be tilted towards beating that team. But in this space and before and around everything, the debate we've got to have as supporters is where, where where's our benchmark? Because... We, I don't feel we've as though we've got. We, I'm not going into this game thinking we've got any more chance of beating Manchester City this season as we did last season, and that's a problem. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the problem. Yeah, I remember the game last season when they came to, to Goodison Park as well. It was a very similar feel, wasn't it? I think we'd just been beaten three-one by Wolves at home, and everyone was a bit, it's a bit low key. It was a midweek game. Hopefully, the atmosphere will be better at the weekend. Uh, just before, well, for the second part of part two, uh, we've had some questions and. Um, one of them, um, I, I, you know, I, I can't adhere to this view, but Mix, Master Doom has said to us, is this the earliest in the season Evertonians have wanted their own team to get beat? Come on, we can admit it. That's my question for the panel. Uh, I absolutely do not subscribe to that view I, at all. Dave. I am not having that that's an Everton fan. No. I am not I, I, having I saw it and don't think it's an Everton fan. There's but, no you know. way that's a blue. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Wasting our time talking about that sort of thing. No. I don't care if... Listen, I, I, we were speaking off air, me and Carl, yourself probably included, Matt. Matt does feel a little bit of resignation already that Liverpool are going to go on and win the league, but I don't care. Mm. I don't care. We, we we had the unsufferable nonsense that they've come out with over the summer with the, the Champions League, winning the league title. I, I, I don't really care anymore. When Everton are relevant, I might actually care mm. if we're rubbing shoulders with them. Right now, we've got our own problems. Getting, wanna... o- getting over a hurdle against Sheffield Wednesday yeah. felt difficult enough. I don't give a damn about what Liverpool do so with that with that in mind I hope we trounce Manchester City you've got to look at what it'll do for this yes, team absolutely, like, absolutely. If, if you beat Manchester City on Saturday the, absolutely. You know, the transformation and the belief and that's the confidence around the club it, it'll be enormous it'll be absolutely enormous that's what I'm, I've the got tough a, away game away at Burnley I, you know I have an opinion about the managing the plays but I want them to win every game that they play so, and you know I'm not interested in uh, Liverpool no. yeah. you know um, David Taylor has asked us how much are injuries the culprit of Everton's poor form lately, key players being out, lack of depth, or is mentality and or tactics really the bigger issue? Um, I suppose, Carl, you know, Marco Silva has probably been without his, what he would have envisaged to be his first choice midfield in Gabamon and Gomez for, for the last few weeks. Um, but it's just part and parcel of the game, isn't it, yeah. I suppose? Well, that's what he's paid for, yeah. to deal with that. Well, yeah. He's not like we're not on the bare bones, are we? I no. mean, you know, we're putting teams out where we're expecting to, where we're expecting, and and you might say he's lucky in that his his, his injury crisis has occurred against a relatively easy start yeah. to the season. Yeah. No, but that question feeds into what I've been banging on about about unwillingness to change. You've got to you've got to adapt to the personnel you've got available to. You can't just consistently keep saying, "Oh well, you know, Gabamin's out and Gomez are out. Which two Gabamin? shall I run the rule no, over?" In nobody in knows if Gabamin's going to be any good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you know, there's, there's still, you know, I think a few small question marks about about Gomez in in terms of over the, over mm-hmm. the season because mm-hmm. we haven't seen that. I'm not writing them off. Big fan of him, you know. He's dead handsome and he's a dead good footballer. 
Which seems to be the most important thing for games, many people. Well, yeah, yeah. Although, yeah, it does seem that does seem to be the major kind of embellishment of him. But you know, what, what Gabamin? I mean, you can't say we're missing a player who's no. never played for the team. It's ludicrous. No, but you you need to have um, versatility in your management to be able to pick a different team, a different shape, a different setup. Because you're going into a season with your two first choice midfielders. Let's say it is Gabamin and Gomez. I would argue it might well be Delph and Gomez. Yeah, I think that. Um, the first things you've got to ask is, well, are the replacements like for like? I don't believe they are. If they're not like for like, then why are we still playing a two in midfield? Yeah. Why don't we look at doing something else? And I think it's a relatively... Got no midfield, is your it's a relatively <laughs> simple checklist that you can go through to arrive at a decision that, that is much more suitable to the players you do have available rather than ruin the ones that you haven't. And I think that's the problem. And, and that's an excellent question as well. Um, I think the injuries uh, have contributed to it. Who wouldn't want all the players fit? Um, I think also the mentality is absolutely spot on too. I think there's there are issues there. There's issues ingrained in Everton that go beyond Marco Silva and everybody else that's there right now. We've discussed them at length, the reasons that could possibly be behind this plight that we've been in for several years now. Um, and, and I feel as if the something major like you said Matt, has to happen in order for that to change and let's hope fingers crossed it's a Carabao Cup win but just to, just to show a bit of reality in that if, if the implication of that question is that Marco Silva can only be successful when all of the players are fit all of the time then we've got, got even, we've got an even bigger problem because because yeah. that's never going to be no. that's never going to happen yeah. that never happens in modern football no. yeah no um Foxy0580 has asked us an interesting question. Uh, is Sigurdsson the worst ever Everton buy? He said, I actually like Gilfie, but given the amount he cost, wages and associated status in the club, does it make him undroppable and practically forces managers to play a team around him? And then the second part of the question, would Silver ever buy a Gilfie-type player? Mm. We, we, we have got possibly one of the worst signs we've ever made at the club, Nias. Um, but yes. neither of them are the worst signings that Everton have ever no. made. No, no, that, that's not. And I think there's such a tongue in, uh, yeah, tongue in yeah. cheek, tongue in cheek, tongue <laughs> in cheek about that question. I'm very tired. Um, I, but I do believe that the, the the rest of the question is is perfectly valid and, and it's a good one. I don't think Marco Silva would have a player of Gilfie Sigurdsson's profile anywhere near his team if he had the option. I'm pretty sure he'd want to spend that £45 million elsewhere. Um, he's forever talking, well, say forever talking, he's mentioned several times about the 4-3-3 that he wants to introduce. I think Gilfie Sigurdsson is a big stick in the mud when it comes to that. Um, and in terms of Gilfie himself... Yeah, I would consider that this season he's been one of the worst performers. I think you know you mentioned Coleman a little bit before. He he's been desperately short of what he's in the team to do. Um, you mentioned just one reference to a Wobie and the involvement in the goal in one of the goals last night. When have you seen Gilfie Sigerson do that for Everton lately? Yes, he harries. Yes, he presses. He does all the things off the ball that are absolutely brilliant. That's fine, but they're not what we yeah. bought him for, they're not what we bought him for. It's the same sort of thing you might well say about Calvert-Lewin eventually. He's not doing the things he should be doing that he's in the team to do. And whilst that's the case, yeah, I think the spotlight will be on Sigurdsson and what Marco Silva does with him. Persisting with him in the same position, doing the same thing every single week is not the answer. Um, do you think Sigurdsson starts on Saturday? Yes. Carl? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very finally, before we go to the, the, the final ad break, and... And speak to, to uh, Greg. Um, Luca Dean got the armband on Tuesday for the game against Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, future captain for you, Carl? Yeah, I'm not sure why he wouldn't be the captain now. If, if Coleman was to leave the side, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, I, the, the worst thing for Coleman for me would be if this is a valedictory season where he gets the captaincy and his performances aren't up, and he's in the team because of his past and he's and what's on on the arm of his shirt. That's absolutely the worst reason to have yeah. have, have a player in the team. Absolutely the worst reason, other than someone in the on the board telling you you must play a yeah. play. That's it's not the, it's not cricket, is that's it? That's the ultimate start worst. <laughs> that's, you know, we, football captains are not. Cricket captains, yeah. as as Dave say, and you know why not? Why not? Uh, don't care. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm not. I'm not bothered about who has the captain's armband. I really do not care because I think far too much emphasis is put on it. Yeah, that's true. When people decide, but it is to... important, isn't it? Because no, what, well, otherwise Seamus Coleman probably wouldn't have been the team. He wasn't the club captain. We spoke to Graham Sharp on Diaries of an Old Lady, and he was talking about. And yes, it's a different time, and but it um, happens to be our most successful time as a club. And he was saying on that show. 
when he was talking to us quite candidly about what the build-up of that side was, he said to me, it didn't matter that Kevin Ratcliffe had the armbands. Yes, Kevin Ratcliffe is lauded as being a fantastic leader and our most successful ever captain on the pitch. But it didn't matter. He said there'd be people in the dressing room at half-time if we were 1-0 down or whatever. It didn't matter. There'd be somebody who'd step forward. It didn't matter if they had the captain's armband or not. There was no hierarchy of how this thing works. It feels to me like more is made of the Everton captaincy than there ever really should be because I don't care if it's Luca Dean I don't care you know Fabian Delph people make a case for Fabian Delph because he screams and shouts uh, good a reason as any to give him the armband but I don't particularly it doesn't bother me at all I'd not I wouldn't have a captain don't don't give them one <laughs> give, give Marco Silva give, give Marco Silva the, the captain's the armband if it makes him feel any better post-modern post view of football yeah. 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 because it I mean we do, do we have to be I think this... there are rules where someone's got to wear the arm because yeah. I think I remember what one of our players walking off with the armband on once and the referee told them to they had to come back yeah, on and you, pass I think the you have to have a captain stick it yeah. down your shorts or something then honestly I, <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't care the Everton captaincy whilst being a uh, bastion of pride and all this sort of stuff someone's got to go up and get that league cup mate yeah, yeah. I'm, someone's got to go up and get that carabon all cup, 11 of them with a the finger on it and someone just lifts it <laughs> and, um, yeah I'm not I'm not a fan of, uh, and, and this doesn't pertain to just Everton in general I think captain oh, England, the England, England team is the one where it's just gone completely exactly. nuts I, I just think it's, it's gone completely nuts it's, an, age, it's an archaic institution for me um, unless you get somebody very very rare characters these days who actually be fit what a stereotypical captain should be. Would you prefer it like in the NFL where the owner lifts the Super Bowl trophy when they win it? I'd, mate, listen, I'd have Stephen Gerrard lift the trophy if it meant we won one. If it meant that we <laughs> were champions of anything, Stevie G could lift it for me. I don't care as long as we win a pot. Brilliant stuff. Um, <laughs> score prediction for Saturday, how are we going to get on? Um, I'll, I'll go 2-2. Two, two. Carl? 1-1. One, one. Oh, love it. No defeat. I reckon that'd be a draw as well. If City only score one at Goodison, I'd be delighted. Fair enough. Even if it's 1-0 to them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed. It's uh, it's going to be a good performance for the Blues. Uh, there's certainly going to be a lot going on in the stadium as well. Uh, obviously, that banner for Moise Keane. Uh, we'll, have a chat about, we'll have a chat with Greg about that after the break here on Radio City Talk. Yeah, it is the final part of the Blue Room here on Radio City Talk. I'm still joined by Dave Downey in the studio. And now I'm delighted to say joining us on the line to have a chat about that fantastic Moyes Keane flag that's going to be at Goodison Park for the visit to Manchester City at the weekend. Is Greg Neal from the County Road uh, Bobblers. Greg, thanks very much for coming on. Yeah, evening, lads. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. Oh, a pleasure, any time. Um, as we said there, that the flag looks, looks absolutely fantastic. We need to have a bit of a chat about it all there, just before we talk about anything. Um, where did the idea come from and why did you guys decide that something like this was needed? Yeah, well, uh, obviously, um, we, we're all big football fans, obviously all Everton fans first and foremost, but we, we do show a keen interest in European football as well. So we were all fully aware of um, the racial abuse that, that Moise had uh, suffered Last year when he was at Juventus, I think that was highlighted. It was at the Calgary game. It was the Calgary fans who were um, making some untoward noises towards him. Um, so obviously once we learned that he was going to be joining Everton and that was confirmed, it was David from our group who came up with the idea. Um, it, it, at first it was all something or nothing. You know, it was just one of those ideas that you just think it's, it's going to be an idea and it's never going to develop any more than that really. Um but Mikey from the group created the uh, fundraising page and literally as soon as it was put on Twitter, it, it, it more or less went viral straight away. Um, obviously, you guys all know there's a big Everton family on on, on Twitter and um, it just really took off. It was uh, nice to see it was supported by the likes of Alan Mize and Dan Mice as well, who also made contributions towards it. And I think... Um, from there it just took off everyone got behind it we saw donations coming in from fans from other clubs even Liverpool fans Chelsea fans um, which, which which was great to see because it did show that the issue is wider supported than just within the confinement of your own club and players hmm. um, so yeah that, 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 that's how it all came about really I think one of the things that was you know obviously it was a terrible incident what happened to, to Moyes in Italy last year but one of the things that I think was sort of a, a bit 
made it even more uncomfortable was the way sort of the way it was left. Obviously, we had those comments from uh, Leonardo Benucci after the game, where he sort of Absolutely. you know said in some respects that you know he shouldn't antagonise the fans, which were you know rightly condemned by by large swathes of social media. And I, and I know Moyes himself has sort of come out and said that the Juventus fans back then but it felt as though it just got left that, that whole incident when he left Juventus yeah. just got left in a little bit of an uneasy place is, is that not one of the, the other reasons why you, you felt sort of yeah. like this was important well, well that's it I mean we've seen it even more recently in Italy um, you know the comments that were made about Lukaku by a pundit in midweek I mean you just can't imagine anybody on soccer Saturday or Monday Night Football making those type of comments about mm. playing for, to be said publicly um, about, about players like that especially from Benucci um, we just thought we had to make a stand and welcome him to Everton and show him that we are a family to show him that everybody's welcome um, and that we wanted to promote the equality and diversity that should be around rather than the negativity that, that, that we've seen over in Italy we, we've seen it in in Eastern Europe, incidentally, the, the day um, after we'd come up with the banner idea, the Zenith fans produced their own banner criticising the club for signing Malcolm, mm. um, which obviously spared us on further to support Moyes and to show him that you know Everton is a friendly club, we're a family, and we all stand together no matter what creed, colour you are, um, background, anything like that. And obviously, we wanted to show him the support that we think he deserved and didn't get from his own fans back in Italy. Um, and hopefully we've been able to do that through the banner. Obviously, we've um, put, put the the word in, in Italian, Noel Razismo, um, to, to, to further show in Italy that, you know, we stand by him, even if they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely brilliant what you've done, Greg. And I just want to explore a little bit how it sort of, You've explained the snowball effect that it's had, but also yeah. with the club itself. How did the, you find the talking to the club and how um, sort of accepting of everything that you were trying to do were they in the process? Well, the, the club were, were, were brilliant from day one. Um, obviously, you'll be aware of the club's all together now campaign, mm-hmm. which um, they they were very keen for us to involve this with that campaign. Um, the club have done a lot of firsts um, within that campaign, and the club wanted to promote the, the, the diversity and equality and inclusion that I've, that I've discussed previously. Um, so the club were, were so keen to get involved um, and they, they were thrilled with the idea, to be honest. Um, just looking at, you know, obviously the, the banner's been made by, by yourselves. You're a member of a, of a fan organisation. Yeah, organi- sorry, sorry, go the, Yeah, the banner was actually made by uh, Joe from the Garda Street. Yeah, uh, 1938 group. So it wasn't actually us who produced this. It, it was yeah. actually him. It was our. It was just our idea. So we. He does deserve the credit for the production of the banner. Um, yeah. I, would, I would dread to think uh, what it looked like <laughs> to, to me. Produced this, to be honest. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's certainly a, a fan initiative, though. All this, isn't it? You know, yourselves collab- yeah. collaborating. Um, with with the Glasgow Street 38 group, and I think that there's been a lot of talk about obviously racism in football over yeah. the, the last few months, and sort of you know obviously on social media platforms it's a big topic at the moment, and, is, yeah. and and what more they can do to to stop these sorts of instances and you know abuse online. And do, do you think as well that stuff like this is really important that that we as fans sort of stand up and say, do you know what we're not going to have this either? It's it, it, you know the onus well, is obviously on everybody in the game yeah. to to cut this down, but I think. As, as a fan organisation, as, as a fan base as a whole, I suppose it's vital that we sort of show that we're fully against this sort of thing as well. Yeah, I, th- I mean, from, from my own perspective, I think it, it's more or less getting to a point where it has to be fan-led because you, you see the, the, the stuff what goes on in Eastern Europe and UEFA, FIFA, just slapping fines on international clubs, uh, sorry, international teams, clubs as well. Um, same in Italy, Serie A, they didn't, they didn't punish Calgary enough for what I, from my own perspective I think again they were given a fine until we see um, points being docked um, you know games being closed behind doors isn't great either it doesn't send out the message so if the fans can get that message out and the fans can back it then surely the powers that be at the top have to listen to the fans because ultimately it's, it's the fans game the game doesn't belong to the authorities. It's, it's us who go and pay to watch. It's us who support the players. It's us who support the teams. So if we can lead initiatives from the terraces, um, I think the, the powers that be can only stand up and listen to that and take note 
that the fans want this kicked out and that it is a real issue and that it shouldn't be swept under the carpet, which it appears some of the punishments look like they are being swept under the carpet. Um, You know, you mentioned there about terrorist culture, Greg, and just in in a wider aspect, if you look at Everton and Goodison Park over the, the past year or so, you must be delighted to have seen more things like this coming into the stadium. Obviously, you mentioned the Gladys Street 38 group. The originals have done a lot of work with the football club as well. Obviously, we're going to have the banner, which has sort of been the brainchild of you guys at the weekend. How how impressed and how delighted have you been to see? It feels as though Evertonians who go to Goodison Park and, and those of us who stand on, well, sit and stand on the, on the terraces now yeah. have sort of re-established our identity in that sense over the past few months. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, obviously, pre-season, we made a lot of good signings. I think there was a bit of a buzz about the club again. Um, we saw the sirens introduced before the derby last year. These little things can influence what happens on the pitch. You know, we we know what Goodison can be like. It can be a cold one. Once the, once the fans are in full force and everyone's together and behind the team, it creates such a great atmosphere. And I think the banners and the flags before the game create that type of atmosphere. Um which I think in, in years gone by, Goodison had become a little bit stale. There was n- there was no flags. There was nothing before the game. It was just same old, same old. So I think the introduction of, of you know the sirens and the flags and banners um, is only going to take us forward. It's only going to create a better atmosphere, in my opinion. Um, obviously, Goodison's coming to an end. So we want to go out on a high and make Goodison the fortress that it has been. Um, and I think if the fans can 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 lead uh, initiatives such as this with the banners and flags, I think it's only going to work in our favour. Uh, before you go, Greg, just want to get your, your thoughts on the season overall. Obviously, uh, a big win against Sheffield Wednesday um, on Tuesday night to put us into the last 16 of the, the League Cup. And obviously, you've been speaking about Moyes Keane a lot, but the, the way Dominic Carvalhoon scoring goals, you, you might kind of find it quite hard to get into the side for Saturday's game. Yeah, well, well that's it. I mean, uh, the problem is everyone expects a lot when they come to Everton. The fans expect a lot and they expect instant results. Um, obviously, for a 19-year-old lad, I don't think he speaks fluent English. He's come to a new club, a new country, a new culture. It will take a little bit of time for him to adapt. Um, what I will say is, to me, when he come on against Lincoln, or he, did he start against Lincoln? Whether he started or came on, he looked started, brilliant yeah. against Lincoln. Yeah, he started against Lincoln. He looked brilliant and he's shown flashes of that brilliance that we saw last season. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to bed in. And as you say, with um, DCL bagging those two great goals last night, um, I, I would imagine he will be in uh, at Marco's 11 for the weekend. Brilliant stuff, Greg. Uh, lastly, of course, where can people see this see this banner before the game? Is it going to be Gladys Street Park? And... It's going to be the Gladys Street. Um, it's going to be uh, displayed across the fans before the kickoff. Brilliant stuff. Really looking forward to seeing it. Um, looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, great work done by by all concerned there. And uh, thanks very much for joining us here on the Blue Room. Yeah, well, thanks very much for having me and uh, look forward to Saturday and uh, hopefully you enjoy the banner. Yeah, big thanks to Greg there for coming on. Look out for that banner at the game on Saturday. Looks absolutely fantastic. Great initiative, great thoughts behind it as well. Uh, that's it for this week here on the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Thanks very much to Dave and to Carl. Fingers crossed the Blues can produce something special on Saturday against the Champions. And we'll speak to you again after that game and here next week on Radio City Talk. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sports Social Podcast Network.